0: Hello again my friends and welcome back to Budo the Martial Way and I've got a bit of a story for you today. Today is Saturday and on Tuesday I decided to climb Mount Fuji, Japan and that may not be such a big deal but what makes this experience a little bit different is I decided to climb Mount Fuji from the bottom, from as far down as you can get before you start climbing another mountain the whole journey round trip from starting from the bottom getting to the peak and getting back down to the bus to get home took 16 hours maybe I wouldn't have actually uh, maybe I wouldn't have actually tried it if I'd known it would have taken that long it was it was a mission and it was it was a seriously uh, it was an ordeal and that's what I want to share with you today for those interested in climbing the great and wonderful Mount Fuji So if you're interested, stick around and I will tell you about the time I almost murdered myself climbing Japan's greatest volcano. So before I tell you about my harrowing experience on Tuesday, Let me actually tell you about the last time I climbed Mount Fuji. Let me give you a little bit of background about the mountain for those of you who don't really know much about it. So last time uh I climbed Mount Fuji I kind of I did it I did it the uh the normal way people climb the mountain. So Mount Fuji is 3776 meters tall but you don't climb all 3700 of those meters. You don't start from sea level Most people will get the bus to the fifth station. So the fifth station is basically as high as you can, as high as the roads go. And you can get a bus to there. Fifth station is at 2,400 meters. So you're actually only really climbing 1,300 meters. You already start from quite high up. So last time I took the bus, I, I, I got it up to Fifth Station and I started from there. And last time I actually took the Subashiri Trail. So I think, I think there's about five different routes that you can take up Mount Fuji. The Yoshida Trail is the most popular one, and that's what I took this week. But last year I took the Subashiri Trail, which is the least popular route. Um, so I could, it was nice because I could really avoid the most people. And they're all about the same, really. But yeah, I took that one last time. And the really big difference last time, not just in obviously that I, I um climbed from a much higher altitude, but last time I slept in one of the mountain huts. So there's all these different so there's the fifth station, that's where you you start at, that's where you get the bus to, and then you go six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The tenth station is at the peak. And last time I slept in the 7th station, so I got the bus to the 5th station, I started from there, I walked up to the 7th station, and I slept there, over. well, I say overnight. I actually woke up uh, at about 2am to finish the climb, so I finished the climb to the peak overnight so that I could be on the peak for sunrise, um, which was, yeah, that was a real nice experience. That was really special. I was able to sit there right on the edge of the mountain so that I couldn't see anybody around me. I plugged my headphones in so I couldn't hear all the people. So I was it, it felt like I was completely isolated and I could watch the sun rise up in the distance. And that was really special. That was really amazing. And then I had plenty of time to have a nice relaxing stroll back down to the fifth station, get the bus back home. So last time, um, it was it was relaxing. It was super, super chill. I actually, um, last year, I climbed it on Friday 13th, which I thought was pretty funny, as um, Mount Fuji is an active volcano. It's an active volcano, and based on, I don't know, historical seismology, I don't know how they figure out this stuff, but apparently it is overdue an eruption. So... I'll be honest, you know, uh, when I was up there at the top, I'm not a superstitious person, obviously, but when I was at the top, the fact that it's overdue an eruption, you know, you look down into that big crater on the top and you th- you think to yourself, "Man, if that bad boy decides to go now, even a little eruption, I am gone so yeah it's a, it's a little bit um it's an interesting mountain. I'll say that much. So to tell you a bit more about Mount Fuji. Like I said, it's 3,700 meter mountain. It is a big mountain. We've got nothing like that in England. The three biggest peaks in the UK, in England, Scotland and Wales, you've got Scarfell Pike, Ben Nevis and Snowdon. The only one I've actually climbed uh, in the UK is Snowdon and that's just over 1,000 meters. So Mount Fuji is... Ju- Mount Fuji makes all of the mountains in the UK look like hills, tiny. Mount Fuji is a serious mountain and it's usually covered in snow it's you know you can climb it whenever you want if you're if, if if that's if you're a professional if you know what you're doing but for us regular people it's actually only officially open to be climbed for 90 days of the year that's just three months where you can actually officially go up during the summer because the rest of the year the top of the mountain is just covered in snow so you get that bus up and you uh, y- you can you can climb it Usually it takes from the fifth station, it will take five, you know, obviously everybody's different. Um, I've heard people who take 12 hours to get to the top from the fifth station, but generally, generally speaking, it will take about five or six hours to to get up to the peak from the fifth station. And then about three, maybe three or four, maybe a little bit longer to come back down. But being the absolute madman that I am, I decided that I wanted to climb Mount Fuji from the bottom. So let me explain with Mount Fuji. You've got, you've kind of got three slopes to Mount Fuji. So you've got the top slope, which is usually covered in snow uh, most of the year. And then during the summer, that becomes exposed. And it is like, it's often described to look like the surface of Mars is so barren and desolate because it's just covered in snow most of the year way below freezing temperatures nothing grows up there there's no even insects bushes nothing up there it's just that barren red volcanic rock which is in its own way very uh beautiful and stunning but it it is pretty desolate as well that's the very top slope then you've got the second slope that's where that's the kind of the green slope of mount fuji which is a lot more lush Forest vegetation. You've got some, uh, you know, buildings in there, some mountain huts also. But generally speaking, it's it's just. Um, I think it's actually kind of like a, a reserved uh, national national park kind of area. So it's all it's all rare, very lush vegetation. Then you've got the third slope. Now this is the slope that people don't really uh, consider to be a part of Mount Fuji, but it really is. So this is the the much more shallow bottom slope, and this is where Fujiyoshida City, the city I live in, this is on that slope at the bottom. It's It's a very gentle incline, but it is a very gentle, consistent incline up Mount Fuji. And it's interesting because the local people here, so Fujiyoshida City is to the north of Mount Fuji, and if you ask any local people here for directions to somewhere, I don't know, like to to a shop or a restaurant or something rather than saying, oh, you need to head north, east, south, south or west. They say you need to head up or down. Speaking about up the slope of Mount Fuji or down the slope of Mount Fuji, because that slope is just a feature of the entire city. The whole city is gently sloping up toward this great grand mountain looming over everyone in the distance and it's to the south. So somebody will say, "Oh, you need to head up the road." They're actually talking about south up toward Mount Fuji. And then when you reach the far north side of Fujiyoshida City, that is when you have that is when you reach other mountains that, that kind of border and encircle this whole area. And that is where I began my climb from. So I began my climb from the slope of Arukurayama which is a mountain to the north of Mount Fuji. So if you go onto Google Images, this is, this is great. I live right next to this pagoda. If you go onto Google Images and you type in Japan, you will see images of a red pagoda on the right with Mount Fuji in the background. If you just type in Japan, that is, that is one of the most famous iconic images of Japan. And that pagoda and that view is right outside my home. I I, I actually run up the steps to that pagoda all the time. That's like my, my local run, my local training. So the bottom of those steps is at 700 meters and that is the lowest you can go from Mount Fuji before you start climbing up an entirely separate mountain. That's 700 meters above sea level. That's the lowest you can go. And then you're just climbing up a different mountain. So that's what I did. <laughs> I, uh, I got up at 4 a.m. because I wanted to start at sunrise. I thought that would be the, uh, that would give me the most time and that would be the most scenic. Uh, so I got up at 4 a.m. I left the house at 5. And I made my way up Arukurayama to Chureto Pagoda. Uh, I took a few photos and... Man, look it up, Chureto Pagoda. Just type in Japan into Google Images and you will see that pagoda and you will see Mount Fuji in the distance. Man, it is, it is not close. It is not close. That is a big mountain. It is a big mountain and it is a long way away. And I decided that I'm, I'm going I'm to smash that thing today. I'm getting to the peak today. So I set out and I set on my way. And I mean let me tell you this story, man. This is oh God. It was suffering. The like it 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 was suffering, the likes of which I have not experienced for a long time. So I started at five AM and it took me until six AM to uh, walk through Fujiyoshida City. So that was fine, that was alright. Obviously, you know, nice and fresh, nice uh, beginning. Sunrise, sun's coming up. The, the You know, the city's kind of sleepy. People are just kind of getting up early, going to work. It's nice, it's fresh. When you get to the top of Fujiyoshida city, so the, the southern edge, there's the Fujiyoshida Sengen Shrine. This shrine is a big Shinto shrine. Well, a lot of separate shrines, a big complex that's actually dedicated to the worship of Mount Fuji. I don't know how old this shrine is, but it's you know, got to be dating dating back hundreds of years. It's a really fascinating place. And that's that's where, if you decide that you ever want to climb Mount Fuji from the bottom, that is where you should start from. Fujiyoshida Sengen Shrine. And um, So I got there at 6 a.m. And that was actually interesting because... At that location, there was a map and it was detailing. I was like, oh, okay, from here it will take you 40 minutes to reach this tea house and then another hour to reach this shrine and so on and so forth. And that told me that it was going to take me about six hours to get to the fifth station. And that was the first moment that I started to get a little bit worried. <laughs> um so I thought, okay, so I'm going to get to the fifth station at midday. That's a little bit later than I would have liked. When am I going to get to the peak? If I'm going to get to the fifth station, where people normally start from, at midday, when am I going to get to the peak? But whatever, obviously, not that's not something to start worrying about. So I started moving, I started moving. So 6am, I left Fujiyoshi to Sengen Shrine. So this is... This is on the, the kind of the bottom slope. This is shallow incline. Just walk in. The sun's down low. And once you pass um, Sengen Shrine, you're, you're in this kind of like uh, forest. So, you know, you got the trees over you. You had some nice moisture in the air. And it was a pleasant walk. There's no one around. I passed one or two other hikers. There was just no one there. So that was really nice. And from six onwards, um, I had a couple of hours of, uh, yeah, it it was some good good walkings. So I started moving and I started walking and I was making good time, I think. Um, I was getting along with it. And it wasn't until about nine that I think I hit the second slope because it was about 9 a.m. where I really noticed, okay, now I'm really walking uphill. Now I'm climbing. The, the incline just really kicked up a notch. And it wasn't just kind of like a gentle slope. It was like I was having to step up things. And um yeah, that's when it started to get a little bit challenging. And then at about 10, that's when I really started to, uh that's when I started to struggle. So by that point, okay, I've been moving for five hours. And I'd had a, I'd had a couple of sit downs. I'd had a couple of little breaks, but this is at this point, man, I'm getting hot. I'm getting sweaty. I'm drinking, and yeah, it's it's um it's starting to get a little bit steep now. And I am I have got so far to go. I have oh my god, I've got so far to go. I'm nowhere near the fifth station yet. Nowhere near the fifth station, but. Yeah, but the the main thing that I was worried about was I was walking up um, from the bottom and I was going to obviously go all the way to the peak and then I was going to come back down and I was going to get the bus back home from the fifth station. And I'd heard a lot of different, I'd heard a lot of conflicting reports about exactly when the last bus came back from that fifth station so I was starting to worry about whether I was going to be able to make it all the way to the top and then back down in time for that last bus. But I was also thinking that you know what, I, I'll it'll take as long as it takes. If I have to walk all the way back down this road, all the way to the Sengen Shrine, then so be it. You know, I, I was just gonna I was gonna keep moving and I was gonna just take as long as it takes. So on the one hand, I thought you know what, it takes as long as it takes. Just keep moving. Don't worry about it. But on the other hand, I knew that by the time I got back to that station, I was going to be in such a state. I was going to be so wrecked that I would murder for that bus. I would do anything to get that bus. So, you know, that was something that was really on my mind from this point onwards the whole time. I was just thinking, oh, man, I need to get that last bus. I need to keep moving. So I started struggling at 10, but it wasn't actually that much later that I got to fifth station. I managed to get there at about 1040. So I was really happy about that because that was much earlier than the 12 um, midday arrival time that that map gave me at the bottom. I was over an hour ahead of schedule. So I was happy about that. So that was good. So that was the, the first time that I really kind of I had a real good sit down at that point for longer than just five minutes. I I had a a bit of a rest there. I had something to eat, and maybe I was, you know, I was. I I caught my breath for fifteen minutes, so that was good. Then I asked. I asked one of the people working at the um, at the hut. I said, "How long does it take to get to the peak from here?" And he told me five to six hours. So I thought, okay, five to six hours. Let's say, let's, let's give myself a little bit of time. Let's say I leave about 11, five to six hours. That means I'm going to get to the peak, maybe four, 5 p.m. That's, that's five to six hours for people who've just started from here. I've been walking for the last six hours. So I'm already starting to struggle. I'm already getting pretty tired. So I'm really thinking now, if I get to the top about like 5 p.m., this, how am I, there's no way I'm going to get back for this bus. There's no way. But again, this, what am I going to do? Turn back, give up. That's obviously not an option. So whatever. I crack on and I keep moving. Ding, ding. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm just editing the podcast episode now. And I've just realized I've made a big mistake when I'm telling the story from this point on. I start referring to the fifth station as the eighth station. Okay, so whenever I say the 8th station, what I actually mean is the 5th station. The 5th station, that's where you get the bus up to, and that's where everybody starts from. That's like the, that's really the first station. There was stations one, two, three, four, 2, 3, but they, they got disused and abandoned. So whenever I say 8th station from this point on, what I'm talking about is the 5th station. All right, back to the story. Now, it was just after I left the 8th station... That I hit the tourists, the, oh my God, oh my God, the tourists. So that walk from Fujiyoshida Sengen Shrine all the way up to 8th Station, seriously, that was the best part of climbing Mount Fuji below 8th Station. The, the lush forest, the vegetation, the silence, it was so really, really beautiful, beautiful walk really quiet, really peaceful, really nice twisting route up through the trees. It was really, really nice. Like I said, the, the top of Mount Fuji, that is a barren wasteland, but down below Eight station, it is lovely. And I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure you can climb that year round. So if you do come to Japan and you do think, oh, I want to climb uh, Mount Fuji and it's out of season, you know, you can still you can still climb from from the the shrine to the eighth station, and that is a really lovely walk. I really recommend that. But like I said, after eighth station, that's where that's where everybody starts from. So that's where I hit the people. Oh my god! And I know, I I know, I, I should be loving and kind and compassionate at all, but I will admit, oh, I I couldn't help but resent a lot of these people because i'm busting my ass i've been i've already been walking for the last six hours i am dying and then i get to this eighth station and i see all these people who are just fresh-faced bushy tails ready to go and i see people with like climbing this mountain wearing like an old pair of converse carrying like shopping bags they got from 7-eleven i'm like what the hell are you people doing? This is a serious mountain and you people do not respect it. You, you will see a lot of people climbing Mount Fuji. I remember last time when I climbed it last year, I was climbing up and there was this one guy, I think he was from Taiwan and he was climbing Mount Fuji with a pair of flip-flops, shorts, a vest and an umbrella. That's it. Shorts, vest, umbrella, and flip-flops. Nothing else. Not not even a bottle of water. Literally nothing. And he was walking along. And it was like 3 p.m. And he said, do you think I can get to the top and back in time for the bus? What the hell are you talking about, man? Like, did you do any research before you attempted this whatsoever? You are going to die, man. Seriously. This is a serious mountain. But people just treat it like it's a tourist attraction man they turn up like it's Disneyland oh yeah we'll just wander to the top take a few pictures like no man this is a serious serious mountain you need to have more respect for it than that but like I said I I think I was just getting (laughs) I was just tired at this point and you know and I was I was enjoying the peace and solitude before and now I was kind of overwhelmed by all these people so I started getting a little bit frustrated a bit but you know I shouldn't hold it against them of course so at about 11 a.m., that was when I left the tree cover and you leave that kind of nice, lush vegetation and you really start just heading out into the kind of rocky slopes, kind of almost heading toward that third steepest, most barren section of Mount Fuji. And like I said, this I, I was kind of, oh, man, I was starting to struggle at this point. I was really, um, yeah, I, I was having a rough time. But I kept going and I kept persevering, and um, at about twelve, at about midday, I actually had a bit of a second wind, and um, I, I, I kind of not only did I get more energy and kind of invigorate myself a little bit, but I, I, I stopped looking at all the people around me with such resentment, and I started. Chatting with people, and you know, I was cracking some jokes with uh, some Japanese people. We got all these—you got all these cute kids. You, you will really be surprised by the age range of the people that climb Mount Fuji. Kind of the westerners, the 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 tourists. Most of them are like you know, twenties, thirties, forties. But the, the local Japanese people, you, you get some really small kids that people take up that mountain and some really old people as well. You know, um, they are not afraid to, to tackle the mountain. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. I, I, I kind of had this second wind and, um, you know, I saw some people struggling and I'd, I'd, uh, I saw a few people had their kind of head in their hands and I could tell they were dealing with the, uh, the altitude Um, And that's the interesting thing that, you know, like I said, this is a serious mountain. And I saw a signpost that said the uh, like the oxygen density at different altitudes. So obviously at sea level, it's 100 percent. And apparently at the peak, it's 62 percent air, 62 percent air density at the top. That is thin, man. 62 percent. So I was getting to about getting to about midday and we're starting to break through this cloud cover and I was starting to feel it as well. So I'd started at 700 meters and at this point I've got to be like, what, 2,500? So yeah, man, at this point, this is when I started to notice for myself that um, the air was really starting to get to thin out and I was really starting to have to deal with that, but... I, I, like I've said to you before, um, I deal with a lot of breathing techniques through yoga, Zazen, all the exercises I've done, but also through the Wim Hof technique, for those of you who've practiced that. So I was very confident that I could deal with that uh, altitude sickness. And whenever I started to feel um, a bit of a headache, and you kind of feel this, um, uh, almost like a bit of a tightness in your chest, I'd say, like a it's hard to explain, like an empty grip in your lungs and you get a bit of a headache and maybe it makes you feel a bit nauseous as well. I really felt it the most after I stopped moving. So whenever I sat down for five minutes to have a little break, your heart rate comes down and your breathing becomes more shallow as you become more relaxed. And as your heart rate comes down and as your breathing comes down, that's when obviously the oxygen levels are really going to start to drop and you're going to have that carbon dioxide build up in the blood. So that was when I really felt it. So every time I would start to feel the effects, that's when I would go, okay, 30 deep breaths. And this just really annihilates any of those altitude sickness problems you have. 30 deep breaths. So when I say deep breath, I mean a big deep breath in and a kind of regular breath out. You don't need to force the air all the way out of your lungs, just big deep breath in and then a regular breath out. And I did that 30 times and 30 of those deep breaths, not only would it um, deal with the kind of, uh, that kind of sapping of the energy that you feel, but it would, yeah, so it would really invigorate you, bring you back up, kind of push away the headache a little bit and it would really help you going. So I would see people all around me start to, um, you see people who kind of struggle with the altitude sickness and you got their head in their hands, and I'd say to them like, "No, nah, man, you need to stand up, take some deep breaths, fill those ox- uh, fill those lungs up. You can't just collapse and start feeling sorry for yourself because that's just going to make it a whole lot worse." So at twelve, that's when I left the cloud cover uh, about midday, and I think that's when I basically hit the the third slope, the the final steepest uh, slope, and at this point. So I'm out of the tree cover. I'm out of the cloud cover. It's the middle of the day. So that sun is directly overhead. And this is the height of summer. So that sun is coming down now. Before, beneath the clouds, beneath the trees, it was fine. It was lovely. There weren't actually any clouds at the start of the day. It was a clear sky. But then it came came in. But it was lovely. And, And especially when you're in the clouds... You, obviously, you don't have any kind of view whatsoever, but it's nice and fresh and there's a lot of moisture in the air and a little bit of wind. And that, that's really nice. That that makes you feel um, nice and comfortable. But once you pass up out of those clouds, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Being up above the clouds, so close to the top of the clouds. Oh, my God. That is, I think, one of the most beautiful things Well, the most beautiful environments, the most beautiful views I've ever been able to enjoy, Um, whether it's here, whether it's been in Europe, any European mountains, being up above the clouds like that, just seeing those huge clouds. And I mean huge. They're like skyscrapers, like giant cathedrals in the air. Absolutely gigantic. Huge things, completely silent, beautifully illuminated by the sun. Absolutely love it. But now that sun's coming down on me and that is starting to get a little bit toasty. Um, and even now I've got some uh, I've got some peeling sunburn on the back of my neck. That has been the biggest uh, issue to deal with has been the sunburn. Obviously, I did put a little bit of sun uh, sunscreen on. I had a hat on for the love of God. Do not try to climb Mount Fuji without a hat. You'll burn your head. So, yeah, that 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 was um, that was a real challenge. But I kept moving I kept going you know um I would have these little breaks whenever I get to the mountain huts I was drinking plenty of liquids I took loads of water with me I bought a couple of um Pocari sweat drinks on the mountain huts love it get some sugar in me get some salts um so yeah it, um it, it was a challenge and it was an emotional roller coaster, you know. Um, again, that bus, that bus was worrying me so much whether I was going to be able to make it back in time for that. But physically, I mean, uh, I, just, I kept moving. I kept pushing myself. Um, you know, once I'd sat down for five minutes, I'd, I'd start to feel okay. And I'd start, you know, I'd start moving again. So that wasn't too bad. But it was at 2 p.m. when I hit the wall man i hit that wall hard 2 p m so at this point i've been climbing for 9 hours 9 hours of just constant motion and oh my god at this point man i was this was not a game anymore seriously this was not in any way enjoyable you know i i was i, I was under no illusions from when I started this, I knew I was going to reach this point of pure suffering. I, you know, trust me, I, I had no, you know, I, I was not surprised by this at all, but you know, when, when you finally hit that moment and when it's there and when it's real, oh man, it is suffering, pure suffering. So it was 2 PM and I was, I was moving like a zombie like one, I was shuffling one foot at a time, just shuffling forward. I had this uh, walking stick that I bought. You have these big um, wooden walking sticks that you buy that are really just, just a real simple piece of wood. But it's cool because at each of the mountain huts, you can get it branded. So um, you go up and you get all these different stamps branded on it. But um, But that's not the point. The point is I was leaning on that thing. And without that walking stick, I genuinely don't know if I could have made this because I was leaning on that thing. I was shuffling up this mountain and oh my God. Yeah. So it took me from 2 p.m. It took me another two hours to get to the top. And I have not suffered like that since I was in the army. That was, oh my God, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Just the slowest, slowest I say the slowest pace but I was still overtaking people genuinely I don't know how I was still moving past people I think I think I was moving slowly but I was moving consistently I was when, when I'd rest when I'd sit down Okay, then I would rest, then I would stop, then I'd get a, a drink and I'd, re- I'd take five minutes. But when I was moving, I was just constantly moving. I did not stop. So a lot of other people, they kind of walk, stop, walk, stop, walk, stop a lot. But I was just constantly moving. And oh my God, it was horrible. And you know, you have all these thoughts go through your head when when you're suffering physically that much your your mental game your psychology oh god man it goes downhill fast so yeah I was oh I was really questioning a lot of my life choices at that point but and and oh man when I got to to the last 200 meters you see these little signposts and oh man when I when I saw it say 200 meters oh god that was oh my god that was so oh god That was so good to see that 200 meters to the peak. I remember looking at it and it's saying 10K, 10K to the peak. And I'd be climbing, I'd be climbing, I'd look at it again and say 9K. And I'd be like, oh my God. It would, oh God, it was forever. But when it said 200 meters, I thought, okay, finally, I thought 200 meters, 200 meters, that's nothing. 200 meters to the summit. I could, (laughs) on a normal day, I could run that. That's nothing. So I kept going, I thought, oh, I don't need to break. In those final 200 meters, I had to take a break three times, three more times. I had to stop and sit down because I was that destroyed. Oh my God. Not just kind of like the cardio, um, but the, the, the musculature of my legs, because at this point it is steep, you know, and a lot of the time you're not, you're not walking. You are climbing. You are having to lift your feet up to like knee height and climb up these big rocks and these big boulders, sometimes on your hands, you know, is a challenge. And at this point, like I said, I've been going for nine, 10, 11 hours. Oh my God. It was pure, pure suffering. But eventually at 4.30 PM, after 11 and a half hours of climbing, I made it to the peak. I made it to the top. And (laughs) I'd like, I'd like to tell you that when I got to the top, I was like, I was overcome with this sensation of achievement and accomplishment. And I was like, yeah, I did it. I'm on top of the world. None of that. Absolutely none of that. Like I said, I've already climbed to the top of Mount Fuji. I did it last year. I know what it's like up there. You know, that that wasn't new to me. And when I got to that top, I just, I was so destroyed. And it had been 11 and a half hours, like... Even when I was in the army, I don't remember ever moving constantly in one direction for 11 and a half hours, (laughs) let alone one direction up a fucking mountain for 11 and a half hours. So it took me 11 and a half hours. Let me, um, so I had a running app on my phone and I clocked in. It was 14.3 miles. That's 23K and (laughs) 23K flat bro, I could run that. That's that's no big deal. That's no issue. But 23k and 3,000 meters elevation. Like I said, I started from 700 meters and Mount Fuji is 3,775 meters tall. So it took me 11 and a half hours and 3,000 meters elevation. And when I got to the top, man, I was just destroyed. Yeah, I guess There was a certain sense of accomplishment, you know. I'd set out. I wanted to climb Mount Fuji from Chureto Pagoda. I wanted to do it the long haul, the long pilgrimage, right from the bottom like they did in the old days, before cars, before roads, before any of that stuff. But once I got to that top, man, oh. I think one of the reasons that I was not really overcome with any sense of relief was because I knew okay cool now I've got to go back down and again I had that in my head I had that thought of having to get back for the bus now so at this point one of my friends told me that the last bus was at 9 p.m so that gave me three and a half hours to get back down to the fifth station three three and a half hours now if, you, if you're full of energy and you're, you're moving quick, you could probably get back down in like two hours. You know, you could really move quick because you're going downhill and, yeah, it's not quite so challenging. And actually, the route back down, so the route up is kind of, you know, you're climbing up all over these rocks. But the route back down, it's kind of down this big, smooth scree. So it's just this really, really, really simple zigzagging path down this kind of big wide loose gravel all the way back down it's the most boring descent you can possibly imagine it is literally just this zigzag path just of loose gravel almost the entire way back down to the fifth station it is super boring but it is super easy as well and and obviously after climbing up you wouldn't want to climb back down the way you came up because you would have to be literally like clambering down these big boulders and rocks, but on the way down, so it's nice and simple. And like yeah, like I said, if if you're full of energy, you could do it in two hours. But man, I would just been climbing for almost twelve hours. I was not not full of any. I was not. I was empty. I was devoid of any energy at that point. And my knees, my legs were wrecked. Like those last two hours, I cannot stress to you enough how much suffering I endured in those last two hours. It was, it was grim. But if I'm going to get that bus, I better get moving. So my victory at the top of Mount Fuji, I was up there maybe uh, 10, 10, 15 minutes. And then I start moving back down. So I started moving back down. And like I said, it's got this kind of scree slope. So you can kind of walk, slide a little bit back down this slope, but you know, I'm really kind of concerned about my knees at this point because as anybody who does any kind of running or climbing will know that going uphill is more challenging, but going downhill is more kind of more dangerous because you can really wreck your knees if you're not careful. And, you know, my legs are exhausted at this point. So I'm very conscious of being careful going downhill. I'm leaning on my walking stick, you know, making sure I don't fall over. And I'm moving downhill. And there's a lot of other people moving a lot quicker than me. But, you know, I really have to be careful. So I'm moving downhill. and I'm sliding down this thing. And I have a, I have a couple of rests. I sit down uh, once or twice and, you know, I catch my breath. But you know what? You know what? This whole, out of this whole experience, what really shocked and surprised me the most was at about six thirty seven 7pm, I got this, what, what, second wind? Maybe a third wind at this point? But I got my energy back like you would not believe. I was just, I was moving and I was going and I was going and I was going and I was going, moving consistently. And then before I realised, I suddenly realised, hold on a second. I'm actually moving at a pretty decent pace right now, and I haven't had a break for, what, maybe half an hour now? I was just going, and my knees, they, you know, I was still aware of them, but they didn't feel so, my legs weren't so incredibly painful anymore, and my cardio, I felt all right, I felt okay, you know, I was just like, Oh I couldn't believe it. At this point I've been moving for what 13, 14 hours. Oh my god. I thought I, I I was amazed that I was moving at all, let alone moving and feeling like I had energy. I I couldn't believe I honestly couldn't believe it. Obviously it helps a lot that I was moving downhill, but I, I just couldn't believe it. But I made the most of it and I kept going. I started cutting down on my brakes a lot more and I just kept going and I kept going. But now we've got another problem. So and now we're hitting to about 7 pm and the kind of the the the, the path around me is real looking real empty of people at this point. There's no one else around because the sun's going down, it's getting real dark. So at this point, anybody who's going home, they're already at the bottom. They've timed it so they're already at the bottom. And anybody who's sleeping in one of the mountain huts overnight, they're going to be at their mountain hut. So there's not really a lot of people around right now. And I'm starting to get a little bit worried. I had a torch on me. So, you know, I I had some light when I need it. But there's not many people around. And I'm starting to get worried because it was... It was a moonless night. There was absolutely no moon in the sky whatsoever. So I was very conscious. If it was a full moon, man, I've been out in the army on a full moon when it's as as bright as a cloudy day. You can see no problem. On a moonless night where you've got no illumination whatsoever, man, it is pitch, pitch black. And I don't know about you. But I don't really want to be on the side of a fucking mountain in the absolute pitch black. So now again, I'm oh god, I'm I'm just stressing, man. I've got to get back to this bus. I've got to get back to this bus. So I start picking up the pace, I start moving, I start, I start trying to go as fast as I can, and there's there's just barely anyone around. So the sun goes down at about 7.30, and I get my little torch out and I've got a low battery <laughs> so, I yeah I know I'm an idiot yes it's a little USB bike light thing I've got I use it when I was working in security a lot it's really really super bright it's really good and it's a tiny little thing you can put in your pocket but it's got when I turn it on it's got a little red light on it telling me that the battery's low so, My fuck's sake yes I know I should have charged it before I left thank you obviously I know that but I honestly did not think that I would be out so long that I was going to be there in the dark. I wasn't planning on sleeping on the mountain overnight, so I honestly didn't think it would take me that long. But obviously, I don't really think anybody's done this before, so you know it was hard for me to get a realistic time frame on how long this would take. So there I was going down the mountain in essentially pitch black at this point with my little light, which is running low, And I keep moving and it's okay I've got enough illumination that I can see where I'm going at this point I'm starting to get worried that I've got this tiny little this isn't like some great big head torch thing this is just a little pocket little bike light thing so I've just got enough of a little cone of light that I can see my feet in front of me now I'm starting to get a little bit concerned what if I take a wrong turn somewhere and then I'm totally fucked in the middle of nowhere on the side of Mount Bougie then I'm in big trouble but it's okay, I keep moving, I keep going. And then I start, at, at around eight, I get to the 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 bottom stations. And um, I think I get to like the sixth station. So the f- sixth station has got like um, a lot of toilets and it's got like an information center. And I think there's like police there and stuff. So, and there's like loads of people there. So that's like big, bright, illuminated. And that that made me feel... A little bit better. That at the very least, I was around people. I wasn't on the side of a mountain, totally by myself, heading into the the night. You know, so I was surrounded by people. So I thought, okay, worst comes to worst, I'm you know, (laughs) I'm not going to die of exposure or anything. So I asked one of the police officers, "Where's the bus stop?" And he's like, "Oh, that direction." So okay, okay, right. Boom! I've got to go. I've got to go, 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 go. So I've got to keep moving, and I'm really worried about this uh, this bus. uh, And I keep moving now. The police officer told me that it was at the 5th station. Um, So I thought to myself, okay, so I'm going to go back to the 5th station that I passed on the way up. So I keep moving and I keep heading in that direction. And it takes me... Okay, so what time was that? That was about 8 o'clock. So that was about 8 o'clock. So from the uh, the 6th station down to the 5th station, it only took me maybe, I don't know, half an hour or so. Um... Maybe even less than that. I was, I was really moving at this point. I think, <laughs> I think I was really motivated by the fact that I was almost at the end. But I don't know at the times exactly. But what I do know is I got back to that fifth station, the one I passed on the way up. I got there at eight fifteen. I got there at eight fifteen. Okay, I got there at eight fifteen, and I said to them, "Busu, where's, where's the bus? Where is the bus?" And they they said to me, "What bus?" <sighs> don't fucking don't start playing this game with me now so they're saying what bus and I'm, I'm like the bus I was told to come here for the bus someone brings out a little a little bus timetable thing and he says oh the bus the nine o'clock bus yeah that's over at the fifth station I'm like yeah okay we're at the fifth station and he says no 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 the other fifth station Oh my God. Are you kidding me? So yeah, there's another second fifth station, um, which I had not been to. Totally different fifth station. So I'm like, okay, where's, where's that? Fortunately, it's like, um, kind of parallel, uh, height uh, around the mountain. There's a part, there's a road that heads straight there. I said, okay. So this is quarter past eight and the bus is at nine. So the bus leaves in 45 minutes and he says to me, yeah, maybe you want to hurry. It takes about 45 minutes to get there. Oh my God. So I've been on my feet for 15 hours at this point. 15 hours of just of climbing this goddamn mountain. I am exhausted. I've got blisters. My knees are destroyed. My shoulders are killing I, like, from the carrying my back. Like, seriously, I'm suffering at this point so badly, but (laughs) I find out I've got to go. But you know what? Again, I don't know where I summoned this energy from, but I started running. How I I am surprised I was even able to walk at that point. How I was able to run, God knows. I didn't run for long. (laughs) Maybe I ran for about three minutes and then I I slowed it down to a quick walk, but I... All the way over there, I kind of ran, walked my way over there. And fortunately, I managed to make it there in about half an hour. So I got there before the bus arrived. Thank God. Thank God that I made it there before that bus because uh, if I if I hadn't, before I was thinking, oh, if I missed the last bus, then I can just follow the road back down to somewhere I can get picked up. But at that point, my light was running out and it was pitch black and I was not going to walk down this road in pitch black in the middle of the night. I would have had to have just slept on the side of the fucking mountain. But fortunately, that didn't happen, so I made it to the bus stop, and that, that was where I felt relief. That was where I felt accomplishment. Not at the peak of the mountain, but when I got got back to that bus station at the fifth station. Oh my God, that was when I felt like it was over. The nightmare had finished. 16 hours on my feet, 16 hours climbing that mountain. I left at 5 a.m. And I got back to that bus station at just before 9pm. And yeah, that was, um, that was a mission. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of myself that I was able to achieve that. <laughs> maybe I, uh, I even attempted it through ignorance and stupidity maybe. If I had known beforehand that it would have taken 16 hours to get from Chureto to the top, back down to the bus, 16 hours, I, I I, would have said to myself, I can't do that. 16 hours, I can't do that. Um, 16 hours on my feet, that's too far, that's too much. I, I can't do that. And if I'd have known really how much suffering I would have gone through, I, I, I honestly don't know if I would have even attempted it. I Maybe I would have started from the, uh, from the shrine and stayed on a mountain hut overnight or something. I don't know. I would have tried something different. But I did it and I am proud of myself. Um, so yeah, if anybody wants to know what it's like climbing Mount Fuji from the bottom, it's suffering. It's pure suffering. So what advice would I give to people who are thinking about climbing Mount Fuji. When I was uh, living in Tokyo, I I met a lot of people in there, kind of around the age of 20, who wanted to climb Mount Fuji, but a lot of them were very much like, oh yeah, I don't don't know if I can do it. Or, And I would say, yeah, you can, you can do it. You can Mm -hmm. climb Mount Fuji. If you, unless you are wildly overweight or even if you don't really do any exercise at all it might it's just going to take you a bit longer obviously get the bus to the fifth station go from there but once you go from there yeah yeah, you can do it and especially if you book yourself a mountain hut you, you need to book it don't just turn up and think you're gonna sleep in one of these things especially on the weekend yeah avoid the weekend if at all possible like I said when I climbed it last year I started climbing on Friday. I slept and then I finished it on Saturday and it was busy, man. It was so busy. Like the last few hundred meters at the peak, it was like a queue. It was, it was not great. Okay. But this time I did it on a Tuesday and there were much less people and it was much, much preferable. Um, so if you can, if you can definitely do it during the week. Uh, make sure it's not a bank holiday or anything um, and you'll get the least amount of people but still if you want to book a mountain hut you need to go online and you need to book it but what I will tell you is that my experience from sleeping in that mountain hut last year seriously that was I think quite possibly the single worst night's sleep I have ever had in my entire life. It was absolutely horrific. So you're in this mountain hut, which is obviously tiny, you know, don't expect any kind of like hotel or anything. You're in this mountain hut, tiny, you're packed in, in these bunk beds with like a dozen people to your left and your right. You are literally shoulder to shoulder with these strangers, but that's not the problem. That's not, that's, that's, I was fine with that. You know, like I said, I was in the army reserves. I have had plenty of nights sleeping outside. I've slept in all kinds of conditions. I've slept where I've been half submerged in water. I've slept where it's been snowing. It's been raining. I've dealt with that. That's not a problem. But the real problem was the lack of oxygen. Oh my God. Like I said before, at the peak, it's 62% oxygen. So when you're in those mountain huts the oxygen level is low and obviously when you start to rest and when you start to fall asleep your breathing becomes really shallow so your breathing comes down and you just when I when I was there when I was trying to get to sleep I would I would start to doze off and then I would kind of in my half sleeping state I would feel like I've not breathed for like the last 30 seconds and I would just go (gasps) I just suck in loads of air and oh my god I just kept I kept waking myself up sucking in this air because it's not just um there's a lack of oxygen but you're in this hut filled with like I don't know 30 40 50 other people all breathing the same air so there's just no air in there there's just no air in there everybody's sucking up all the oxygen oh my god like I said, I don't mind sleeping on some wooden panel in some cheap sleeping bag or any, any of that stuff. I don't mind being packed in with other people. That's not a problem. But the lack of air when you're trying to sleep and there's just no oxygen there, that, that is difficult. That is really challenging. But like I said, if if you are going to take a while doing this, um, then maybe you don't really have a choice. I think some of the lower mountain huts are a little bit better. Maybe don't go for one so high up the mountain. The lower ones are a little bit more spacious, maybe. And certainly, again, if you book it during the week, it, maybe it won't be uh, so rammed full of people. But yeah, that, that just, just be aware that um, even if you book a, a sleep in the mountain hut, man you are you not you can't guarantee a good night's sleep it's uh oh, it's challenging but yeah like i said um anybody can do it. Like, like i said before there are kids kids little kids or an old people who climb mount fuji so so yeah if you are certainly if you're in your 20s or 30s i mean get a grip you should be able to climb this fucking thing the actual climb the walk itself is really not challenging at all it's you're not going to be banging nails into rock and you know repelling down cliff edges you're not really climbing you're walking you're walking up a mountain yeah it gets steep it does get steep but unless you are completely incapable then yeah you should be fine but for, for those of you who want to uh really challenge yourselves. And for those of you who are a little bit fitter, a little bit more able and who do want a challenge, then, yeah, you know what I would say go from the Fujiyoshida Sengen Shrine. That is that is essentially the bottom, not really the official. You can go lower, but but that is that is the bottom. And there is I, uh, I know when I passed, there's like a hostel like right outside that thing. So you can you can sleep right at the bottom and boom, you can go straight from there and uh, if you do go go a sunrise man seriously no matter where you go from you should really get up as early as you can in the day um, but do go from sunrise and yeah it'll be all right if you do go from the bottom though for the love of god sleep in a mountain hut man seriously it took me six hours just to get to the fifth station man six hours oh my god like that was uh suffering <laughs> uh. Uh, But it was good fun, and now I'm stronger for my experience, so thank God for that. And that was my experience, climbing Mount Fuji for the second time from the bottom. I hope you enjoyed that little tale of my training experience. It was good... F- uh, was it good fun? It wasn't good fun, uh, it was suffering. <laughs> no. I did not enjoy it. I enjoyed it being over. I enjoyed it having not to ever do that ever again. But yeah, it was an experience. And that's what we're here for. These things make us stronger. So yeah, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, if you are planning on climbing Mount Fuji at all yourself and you have any questions at all, please let me know. I'll be very interested to hear your thoughts. Until next time, keep walking because those on the way become the way.